This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas and experience. And just as in season one, to give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Catherine Wilkes, who is the Senior Director at Slalom. So Catherine, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Carl. Great to see you again. Yeah, and you. So um, look, where we always start, Catherine, is by uh, asking our guests to give themselves a very brief introduction into their background and journey to date, if you would uh, be so kind. Sure, I can. Yeah, so I'm um, Senior Director at uh, Slalom. I started my career by doing a PhD in theoretical particle physics, um, which uh, was a very interesting time for me. I learned quite a bit about myself. I learned that actually I didn't enjoy physics as much as I thought I would, and that I wasn't quite as good as I thought I was going to be either. So I finished my PhD and used the time to think about what I did want to do. And uh, I got a role as a data consultant. Um, So I did data consulting for 15 years probably I've I've been doing this now so first of all at at Detico which is now part of BAE Systems um, then at PwC where I was leading the data team uh, across the north of England um, and then I took up a role as the chief operating officer nationally for the data team so helping with some of the internal functions of, of developing a high performing data team um, and then I joined Slalom in 2000 in, 2019, yeah, three years yeah. ago, yeah, um, as a director in data, um, and actually now I have a slightly broader role um, that's not just um, data, but still in the tech space. So I guess for for anyone that's not familiar, just give us a little bit of an overview on Slalom as a business, and you know what what you guys and girls do. Yep, absolutely. So our uh, our strapline is we're a modern consultancy that focuses on strategy, business ta- uh, transformation, and technology. Um, so we do work helping clients to solve their business challenges through using technology. I think there's uh, probably three things that makes us a little bit different um, from most tech consultancies out there. Um, Firstly, we are really, really people-centric. And I know like every organization says they're people-centric and they value their people, but Slalom really, really do. And the way that they treat um, people that work for Slalom and um, our clients and our clients' customers um, really speaks volumes um, about the company as a whole. Um, The second thing that makes us a little bit different is we are, um, I guess, mighty but nimble. So um, having worked for, you know, a huge multinational um, big four um, consulting firm, I was worried that I might find Slalom very small. I mean, we're 8,000 people globally. So to some that's big, to others that's small. Um, But what we have is we have a 
a local uh, market model. So we have a large number of offices and we um, will develop an office in a particular location and we will um, recruit local talent um, to that office and we will work with clients in that office. And what that means is that we're very committed to the social value of our work, making an impact within the community. Um, so that's something that's that's really important um, to us at Slalom. And then thirdly, um, we're not afraid to say no to business. And that comes back to being people centric. You know, if we've got a project where we don't feel there's the right cultural fit with the client, it's not the type of work that our people want to do, or it involves excessive travel or working hours. Um, you know, if it's not in our sweet spot, we will say no. And we, we do do that. Um, and I think quite a lot of businesses may say they might do that, but when there's someone <laughs> waving some pound notes at you, they may think otherwise, but we actually do do that. Yeah, nice. No, I th- look, I think that's uh, I think that's very uh, very noble and very credible because, as you say, it's um, often the easy thing to do is to take the money and and run, so to speak, with the project, right? When uh, but it's not always the uh, the most productive um, for long term strategic yeah. business, I guess, is it not? So um, you, you touched upon there about your role changing slightly and your you know the remit being now slightly broader than just data. Um, Give us an insight into where you kind of sit within the organization and what that kind of new role means that you're now, you know, tasked with achieving. Yeah. So a big part of my role um, is performing a community connections um, role. So that's thinking about how we um, at Slalom can develop a sustainable business within Manchester. So thinking about um, what talent um, we are hiring into the business and how diverse that talent is and who we're partnering with um, within the the Manchester market in order to to help us. And then the um, social value that we're delivering back into the community. Um, So it's a really, really interesting role. And actually, since I started that role in October, um, I've been meeting more and more individuals um, in the Manchester market that are performing similar roles. And so I think it's going to be something that is um, up and coming and more and more companies will have somebody focused on this. Um, The other portion of my time is spent um, out um, in the market working with clients. Um, Most of that work um, that I do is within the data space, uh, data strategy, um, a bit of governance, a bit of BI. Um, And I mean, it's great to still have my my finger on the pulse with the client delivery work as well. I I really enjoy it. I really uh, like being out and meeting clients. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, we're seeing a lot of that ourselves in terms of, you know, organizations adopting these personas if you will within their organization who are responsible for that kind of community building element and the thought leadership piece Um, and I think that's going to get a lot more prevalent over the next few years um, in particular Um, I guess more out of curiosity Catherine how has that changed your day-to-day because I imagine going from being completely client-facing almost 100% of the time to now having to think about things that are more for the greater good I guess how has that kind of impacted your your kind of role it's been a really good opportunity for me to learn um in greater depth all the cool stuff that slalom does um because whilst i knew it um at a high level across the board and and obviously at a deep level within the data space you know where i where i'd sat before you know now when i'm out and about meeting clients you know i need to have far more knowledge around what other parts of slalom are doing and you know it's it's vast the sort of tech work that we're doing and obviously it moves quite quickly as well so that's been an interesting new challenge for me to learn um and then from a sort of i guess time point of view um it's it's been 
okay balancing my time actually between the two parts of my role um, mainly because I'm under my own steam with it so I can <laughs> I can set my own boundaries yep. um, you know I've at the moment I've got um, two clients I'm working with and then the community connections piece and and then all all the other bits and bobs that we, that we have to do with our roles so um, it's okay um, it, it works well and I'm in, I'm really enjoying the new challenges Good, good. And I guess that kind of leads us then quite nicely into this next part of the discussion, right? Which I guess is is why we're here to talk about networking, which I guess mm. is where you and I met uh, a few a few years back um, and obviously now part of this community building role. I'm sure there's a, a large proportion of networking within that. So just give us an insight into, you know, what you think or what you've seen the benefits to be of kind of networking you know whether that's at slalom or throughout your career in general yeah so i'll start by saying um networking used to just absolutely fill me with horror i thought (laughs) nothing worse than um going to these sort of networking events after work you just you know you just want to get home and put your pajamas on and do whatever whatever you want to do and yet you've got to go and stand around with a warm glass of wine um trying to cut into conversations um and you know when I was doing this sort of five well, ten ten years ago you know it was all um predominantly men a lot older than me um different interests to me and it just it was awful and also, just from a practical point of view, I'm five foot two. Most of them are, you know, six foot. It was just, I felt that I wasn't being seen and it was horrendous. Anyway, I've really turned a corner with that. And so that's why I thought it'd be interesting to talk about networking today. Um, so in terms of the benefits, um, I think, you know, people think of the immediate benefit in terms of um, job hunting and, and career moves. And yes, that that is one, um, you know, because I think, and you'll know the steps better than me, Carl, but I think it's something like 30% of um, hires are placed based on sort of who they're knowing rather than just applying for a position. So, yep. you know, clearly there's a benefit there. Um, however, I think it's it's not just the direct benefit in terms of, you know, I might be needing a role now or in the future um, can it open doors. I think there's um, a lot that you can gain in terms of self-confidence from networking because you're interacting with people um, from different walks of life. So it helps to open your mind to become more inclusive in your approach, to learn some new um, stuff about new things. You never know who you're going to meet. Um, and then also it just gives you some new life skills in terms of um, the ability to um, open up and shut down conversations um, and be able to express what you do really, really clearly and succinctly, um, which then helps in all, all sorts of walks of life. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. It's funny, actually. So I had um, probably about six weeks ago now, I had coffee with somebody that I've known for probably five or six years now and it was it was really interesting and quite funny what they said to me so they said when we first met you didn't actually know a great deal did you and I was like <laughs> uh, did I not I, I, I thought I knew quite a lot actually but um but I think you know to your point all of the knowledge that I've learned and and harbored and now have about this industry has come from being able to sit around a table and just listen to people talk about things you know the challenges the opportunities the struggles the latest trends you know whatever the case may be and I think um, that's something that you know as you were saying it 
certainly resonated with with me and i think yeah you know most people think you know we're getting quite obsessed now aren't we about thinking about roi on everything that we do in life especially yeah. in terms of data right so there's there's always this well if i do that what am i going to get from it but i think there's there's things that are probably not that tangible that you can even think about measuring yeah. like you get from this stuff um over the long over the long term so that makes sense i guess you talked upon there about when you first started networking and that being you know a bit of a challenge for various reasons but how do you think that kind of networking landscape has changed over the years i think it is completely different um now to how it how it was 10 years ago um and i think that has now accelerated with covid as well so you know in in the pre covid world i already think things were changing i think um i was seeing fewer networking events actual you know just you know like these events like they say the networking events i mean that's just so so cringy oh it's awful um you know and now you have events where you can um i'm not even going to say network i'm going to say meet people you can meet people but you're getting something from it you know it's a skill session you can you know i don't know you're learning to knit or you're doing some wine tasting or some food tasting or you're listening to a presentation you know there's always going to be something else there other than just the networking bit um you know i think if if there was just a networking event it would it wouldn't go down very well now um and then of course with covid everything changed because we couldn't do face to face so then you had like the zoom networking which was a just a you know a whole different ball game different dynamic um and i think now as our business and and personal lives become more intertwined there is just this mixing of the sort of personal and professional um networking and it's just it's just all all one and the same now um and i think it's just even more beneficial in terms of the opportunities that that it can um prevent uh, present to to anybody it's, it really is like the rise of sort of who you know now um rather than what you know and even on the what you know networking helps with that yeah yeah no absolutely as out of interest how did you find the whole attending events virtually out of interest um for me it was a big um really depended on what time of day they were because i've got a young family at home um and so evening events are not great for me um because i'm either doing like bed bath um well bath bed sorry i should say that way around um <laughs> and, and then after that you know i just think oh i don't want to log back on and do this um whereas before you know i would be in the office um in town and then i'd i'd stay for something and then i just i'd just go home whenever um i found it more difficult to build a rapport with people um online um but at the same time in some ways you feel as if you have a little bit more control over the situation um you know because you you i guess you've got a boundary there between people you've got a screen there and that's that can be good in terms of lowering the entry point for some people but it it also is a barrier there between building real effective connections with people how did you yeah. find it yeah it's an interesting one so and i was just thinking through all the you know the logistics when we put our events on like what we have mm. to think around and you know there's there was probably um it certainly wasn't a uh, valley you know validated science but you know we always chose wednesday at kind of 4 p.m. because like if it was a monday you know people come into the office they'd get sucked into something and then ultimately they 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 drop out of the event if it was too late towards the back end of the week 
people started to switch off and then also wouldn't turn up right so we chose midweek we chose 4 p.m because you know if like you said after work people want to get home or you know whatever there's a babysitting childcare issue and people drop out and, and things like that so that's the time that we felt worked best to actually get people to commit to, to coming and uh and that's kind of what we always went with but when it went virtually um to be honest i i found it quite difficult i mean it was great to still kind of keep doing them just for the sake of keeping that community together and obviously the community that that we've got um i think was um you know it, it was good just to kind of keep momentum with that but i think you know i think that for, for me there was a very clear difference in engagement you know you could tell that some people are they sat there the are they listening how engaged are they whereas if you're yeah. in a room together they've, they've got to be present they've got to be engaged they've got to kind of participate so i think there's certainly an element of of that to it for sure um mm-hmm. and the other thing is you know people are probably working longer right you know so i know i do if i'm working at home i get up and seven o'clock i'm doing the kids breakfast and then i'm sat at the laptop so by the time you get to four o'clock in an afternoon you like God, I've been looking at this screen all day. Do I really want to sit here for another hour and a half or whatever it is? So I think there's, there's pros and cons, right? I think yeah. the, the the lack of personal engagement in terms of physically being in a room together is probably one of the downsides for me personally. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean it's it's difficult to read a room. Um, it's I you know I wonder if it's difficult. If we carried on virtually forever, which, you know, I don't think we will, but if we did carry on virtually forever and you, you'd never met these people in real life, you know, really, can you have a deep connection with them? I guess you can. It's just hard. It's just different, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree. So I, I guess as we're on the topic of the pandemic and what that's done then to, to kind of networking, do you think the whole networking thing is kind of, you know, is it becoming a thing of the past now as we come out of the other side of the pandemic? Hopefully, fingers crossed. So I think networking as we knew it is dead, but I think networking as a whole is even more important now because post-pandemic, um, we will have more elements of work of virtual um virtuality in our life um forever more because you know it will be the norm for um you know people to work from home more routinely for you know probably our default position for meetings will will be virtual even if you've got you know for example two groups of people that are both in offices you know but they're virtually dialed into each other so i think um these sorts of face to 100 percent face-to-face um events will not be successful and you're going to have to have um, blended events where, you know, people can attend remotely or face to face if they want, which makes it tricky for networking. Um, having said that, you know, in the virtual world, I'm sure we've all felt it over the last couple of years, like you only know who and what you know, because you're sitting in your office bedroom or kitchen island wherever you are you know and <laughs> yeah. and you don't you don't get like the the lift elevator com- elevator american <laughs> lift conversations you know you don't get the water cooler conversations or the, the you know making a cup of tea conversations because it's just you and the dog at home so yep. you know i think it's yeah it's 
it's not dead it's 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 different and it's even going to be even more important mm. yeah it's uh yeah, it's definitely interesting. I, th- I think you're right. I think, you know, we'll see probably more emphasis around in-person events and the importance of that. And I think that'll probably give people the chance to, you know, uh, almost a reason <laughs> to, to come out, right? Because we've got this yeah. now, this uh, almost perception, if you will, that, well, I, don't, I can I can work from home. It's fine, you know, and I, but I, th- I do think there's an element of that collaboration piece probably does get lost because those little small interactions, like you mentioned, aren't aren't happening or aren't happening as as frequently so um in terms of events then because this is something that really fascinates me you get some people that are either born for them right yeah. you know they they absolutely embrace them and the the life and the soul of of the event and the party and uh you know many people i'm sure probably listening to this kind of nodding going yeah i know some of those people you know when they're <laughs> you're at that round table and you, you can't shut them up <laughs> and then there's the other people right that um are you know maybe really struggle with it for whatever reason and but you know take it upon themselves to push themselves outside of that comfort zone to a certain extent to go to these things but uh, it always fascinates me what why do you feel that these people you know people do sometimes struggle with going to events um <clears throat> i think it can be summed up by confidence and strategy so confidence in terms of um you know it takes people um a a great deal of confidence to you know walk into an event are they going to know where they're where they're going you know who's going to be there what if they don't like anyone what if they don't have anyone you know anything to talk about um and you know and even those people that that you know we all look at that are the life and soul and just chatting to everyone you know probably inside they are thinking like oh gosh this is I feel uneasy with this Mm. so I think it's confidence and then I think the second point is is just around the the strategy you know people have the fear of what if they get stuck next to someone that they're not getting on with uh you know what if the conversation dries up and it's really awkward what if someone's going on and and they can't like they don't have an exit strategy and they can't get away from the conversation (laughs) you know so 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 I think that holds people back as well and that's fine because that's like the easy bit to get a few strategies together to help with that um and then I think as well another factor so actually three confidence strategy and then another one is just it's another thing in our day isn't it it's another thing we've got to do and you just think oh I'm busy am I going to get the ROI from this Mm. to use your your phrasing earlier which I like yeah yeah Yeah. no (laughs) I, I think I think you're right I think there's a lot of people do you know the, the confidence and strategy piece yeah i completely get because you know you've you're putting yourself out there a little bit right but i think the the roi piece um yeah that's an interesting one because I, I you know and, and this is personal right i'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this again that have probably been to a lot of events that they probably walked away from thinking god that was a waste of time um hopefully no one from my community <laughs> but um i mean you never know um but but yeah i, I guess what, what's your journey been like then from a networking perspective and going to events like i know you've talked about how it's changed and how you think it's gonna change but you know what have been some of the i guess the struggles or the challenges or the fears and then you know have you got any kind of success stories for want of a better phrase around you know kind of what's come out of the other side of these events yeah I would just say, I'll just pick you up on something you just said around it being a waste of time. I believe that none of these things are ever a waste of time. Like it is what you do with them that 
makes it a waste yeah. of time. Mm-hmm. If you go and, you know, stand there at the buffet table and don't speak to anyone <laughs> for two hours, yeah, that is a waste of time. Um, but even if you have conversations that you think, mm, that, that wasn't really like, you know, what I thought, like it can always, you can always get some success from it. Um, so, you know, I think it's down to the individual to make sure that it's not a waste of time. Mm. Um, I can't now remember your question, Carl. Sorry. <laughs> just, about your, just about your kind of journey in terms of how that's evolved over the years and, you know, any kind of what, what you felt that you might have struggled with or any fears or challenges and then how that's, you know, how you've come out the other side of that, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the journey that I've been on, you know, I, I spoke earlier in, in the podcast around, you know, it used to just put the fear in me, the sort of having to go to these sorts of things. And I did feel I had to go to them. Um, yes. And I now, I now don't have that and I now really enjoy it. And I enjoy going and speaking to people that are different to me and just speaking about all sorts of like weird stuff, you know, you never know what you're going to speak about. Um, so that for me is just a success. Um, what, um, I did many years ago is we had some training, some networking training, and it was amazing because, um, we were taught, um, these skills to help with networking, um, such as cutting into a conversation, cutting out of a conversation, introducing yourself. Um, and, you know, without those sorts of basic skills, um, it, you can really feel anxious about going in and doing the networking. Whereas, and this is the point I was making around the strategy, but when you know you've got a strategy, you know, if if you're in a conversation that's not going well, you know, knowing that you know how you're going to get out of that conversation, um, mm. it's just, it's brilliant. Yeah. And the thing about it is that there are so many opportunities to practice this everywhere and anywhere that you go you know, in the, in the queue for the supermarket, you know, at the, the football pitch, like when you're like watching your kids at, in the queue for pickup at nursery, like wherever you can just practice it. So you don't have to be going to a networking event to practice these sorts of things. Um, so, you know, I, I've, I've really enjoyed looking back on it. I've really enjoyed my sort of networking journey for want of a, better phrase for it um Mm. and you know it's just it's an area where I feel I have developed over the last few years and that's why I was passionate about coming and speaking to you today about it yeah yeah how how much of your new role is going to be geared towards networking is there a large part of that on your agenda um pretty much 90 to 100 percent um and that is that is not like going and standing with a warm glass of wine networking (laughs) it's it's who I know um you know it's it's clients it's um people within the the slalom business it's um individuals within Manchester then you know this is all around how we can build connections um in Manchester so yes it's it's all around the networking and I want that to be the case for everybody you know in Slalom Manchester I want everybody to feel comfortable that they can go to a meetup or a user group or you know to go and buy their salad at lunch um you know and and be confident saying what we do and having a a conversation with someone because that's networking yeah yeah do you think that the the kind of new world that we live in now with everything being a little bit more virtual has in some instances helped to network a little bit more easily and I guess what I mean by that is if I think about 
what we do for a living, right? You know, predominantly it used to be you'd speak to lots and lots of people on the phone, right? Whereas now, and I'm sure the same for you and your clients, you we get so, I get so many people reach out to me. Do you fancy a virtual coffee? And you know, sometimes some things come of this, and sometimes not. But I think there's probably more appetite now. You know, if, if I had to travel to Birmingham, for example, to have a coffee with someone, well, I probably wouldn't go, right? <laughs> you know, just yeah. because it's it is what it is. But um, my perception is that people are now starting to embrace this a little bit more, and it's almost become a little bit easier so it doesn't have to be a formal thing you know you can have a you can still be networking by just having a one-on-one zoom call with somebody right yeah yeah yes agreed and i think people are becoming um, a lot more cognizant as well around diary time because we reached the point you know in the pandemic where everyone was saying oh my gosh my diary is just so slammed i cannot sit on another zoom call so then people started with you know the 30 minute the 20 minute the 15 minute you know but th- but that's like stuck you know and it's really great um you know to just say to an individual let's just have 15 minutes just for a quick intro you know and then if it goes somewhere great we can put half an hour in the diary if it doesn't it doesn't um and people have got much better at being able to succinctly um say what they they need and mean you know and to just be able to build those relationships quite quickly so yeah i think that there has been some positive changes in that respect mm. respect yeah good i guess an area that i speak quite frequently about on places like linkedin is the importance of one's kind of personal brand and reputation um which i can see you you're nodding and, and smirking <laughs> there'll be plenty <laughs> of plenty of uh, plenty of linkedin posts out there that have uh, caused a few stirs i think but um what, what do you think the kind of relationship or correlation is between these networking events and and people being able to build that brand and reputation i think the correlation is that the more that you um, attend these sorts of events the more you can understand what your personal brand is and and then increase your reputation and it will probably take a few more than a few but definitely a few goes to get it right and you will mm. fluff it quite a bit and think oh god why did I say that um <laughs> but you just got to keep going out out there um and and doing it you know I think it's it's really nice, um, you know, and, and you'll have it, Carl, I'm sure, when you go to places and people say, oh, yes, I've heard your name. Yes, I know who you are. I mean, it's nice. It's slightly alarming. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but it just shows you, doesn't it? It shows about, you know, your brand, you know, and everyone has a brand, um, you know, and yeah. we've all we've all got digital footprints and we've all got uh, got brands and it's you know, it's, it just goes hand in hand now. And I'm, I was smiling at you when you raised the question because, um, I'm sure you know, but I lead a lean in um, circle in Manchester and we've just had our planning meeting where we're determining all the, the circle topics that we're going to discuss in the year. And one that there were two that people mentioned that they're really, really passionate about. One was on finding external um, board positions, which, again, networking, huge for that. Absolutely. Um, and the second was around um, personal brand and knowing your personal worth. So, um, you know, some of the individuals in my circle were saying they do a lot of thought leadership, blogs, um, coaching. And, you know, how do they know when the tipping point is that they should be charging for these sorts of services? Um, and for those that are perhaps slightly newer onto this journey, you know, how can they increase their personal brand so that people, um, you know, value and want their thought leadership on these sorts of things? Um, yeah. So I think they're really hot topics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I speak 
quite frequently about the benefits of that from a you know day-to-day business perspective right when every organization out there is trying to attract top talent into their business you know so one thing i always say is that the the people that build that personal brand and and kind of really put a lot of time and effort into going to these events and you know be seen to be doing the thought leadership type stuff they will drive a lot of inbound traffic which other people won't get you know so yeah. that it's a way for you to differentiate it also puts you on a bit of a pedestal in terms of the next big cdo gig that might come around right when people in the industry or organizations looking for that type of profile can kind of see that you're here there and everywhere and doing these podcasts and doing this blog and doing this speaking event and and so on and so forth so i think it's um yeah i think it's really important that's that's kind of my stance on it um maybe slightly kind of controversial but i guess keen to get your thoughts what what in your opinion is the differences from a kind of diversity perspective on this right because i guess the whole diversity piece is still on every boardroom agenda right everyone's trying to improve diversity and you know equality and inclusion um but as far as networking events go especially in our industry right was we, we all know the stats are very favored towards you know white middle-aged men probably mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. What, what's been your kind of notice you know what, what have you noticed in in, the, in that kind of regard I think um, I think within um, sort of events where people can build networks, um, you still get a lot of um, similar-minded individuals in one space. I don't think we've broken down the barriers yet where I'm seeing um, really diverse um, audiences at these sorts of, of things. Um, I think diversity is increasing um, because you're having lots of specific events um, for particular um, groups of individuals. But I'm not seeing it um, across the board where the barriers are are down yet. Mm. Um, And, you know, I think we need to look back to some of the benefits um, in networking that I spoke about earlier in terms of, you know, helping to build an open mind and to meet people that are different from you. So, you know, it's a really good opportunity um, you know, to, to just be in a physical or virtual space with someone who's who's going to think differently to you and have a different opinion. Um, mm. But yeah. I just I don't I don't think we're there yet, and I think um, that this may put off some people who are um, from a minority group, depending on um, the individuals that are going to be at the, at the networking event. You know, as you say, like often some of these events are. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, white white males for example um so if that um is not you you may feel a little bit um daunted uh, going into that sort of event because you're going to be different and i've been in that position mm, yeah i guess going back to an earlier point you made though around people's confidence um it's almost it's almost like a catch-22 situation that really isn't it because then you get people that well i don't want to go because i'm going to be a minority but we need you almost need more people to kind of come to the front and uh is it's i mean it's such a tricky subject whichever way you look at it whether it's networking or otherwise right it's um it, it's it, it's difficult but, um it is but yeah it is it is but i say bring a friend um and i'm seeing more um events now actually where people are stipulating you've got to bring someone with you um because 
you know, it has a few benefits. It means you're more likely to go because you've committed. It's like having a running partner, isn't it? You know, like <laughs> or gym buddy. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you've committed to it. Um, it means in terms of your networking strategy, like you've got someone there. If it's all going horribly wrong, you, you know, you can be like, oh, my, you know, my contact over there needs me. I'm, I'll just, you know, see, speak to you later. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just a bit more fun as well. Um, yeah. So... You know, I'd say that, like, you know, and then that, that helps you to feel that you're not the only one in the room mm. or the only one in the room that doesn't know anyone. Yeah. How do we get that balance right? I know that's a really tricky question. So apologies for putting you on the spot, Catherine. But I guess, you know, as we've just said, they're trying to obviously bring a friend is a, is a really good idea. And that will probably help us go a long way towards, you know, kind of getting that balance right. But as you said, there's, there's more events now for a more diverse group of people, but that doesn't mean the events themselves are more diverse, if that makes sense. No. And it doesn't as well, because you know what I was saying earlier around um, events now having a purpose, you know, if your purpose is, you know, you're teaching a skill or whatever, um, you know, that's fine because it will attract people who want to learn that skill. But then that might not be diverse because, um, you know, it may be more similar people that are interested in that sort of skill. You know, same with, you know, you were speaking earlier about the challenges of what time you put your events on. Um, You know, you can, it can be difficult for people who are, you know, for example, need to work from home or, you know, they can't get into a a physical space early or they need to leave, Um, you know, all these sorts of things, um, which means that you're not being inclusive. I mean, it's, you can't really win. Um, I, th- I think, you know, the more events there are, the better. Um, you know, and I don't know whether you're better off having events for, you know, certain groups of people um, and therefore th- those individuals feel included because, you know, there's a room with everybody just like them or not. My personal opinion is, is no, you know, you should really try and in- have diversity in the audience of any particular event um and i think i think it will come because people are so much more aware of it nowadays than they used to be um but it's a really difficult balance yeah yeah i mean i agree obviously you know we started doing events in when was it 2018 right and at the start i was super conscious about it you know i'd be like oh this is just a room of white white blokes like we need yeah. more women we need more this we need more that and but then i'm the flip side of that coin is you're like well is that wrong then because now now i feel like i'm going targeting specific people yeah, exactly. because of yeah. what they are you know rather yeah. than them just being being there if that makes sense so yeah real tricky real tricky discussion but um what, what's your advice for people then that kind of feel like they would like to do more of this stuff, but maybe, you know, don't or, or lack the confidence or, you know, feel like they just struggle with putting themselves out there and going to these type of events? What, what kind of key bits of advice can you give them to kind of push through that? So um, what I would say is try your networking out um, in lots of different places where it doesn't matter. So practice striking up conversations with people in queues on the bus, you know, on the tram, um, at the, the football pitch, at the park, wherever wherever you are. Um, because it doesn't matter if you make a complete fool of yourself. Um, <laughs> you know, no, no one's really going to, to know. Um, 
And then in terms of um, events, you know, I would think definitely bring a friend, um, you know, which just makes you feel um, really different knowing that you've got someone there um, that you know, and it's just far more pleasurable um, experience. And then think about your strategies just for, I'm talking about a physical event now, maybe because it's it's easier, but I can come on to virtual in a minute. Um, you know, think about your strategies for cutting into a conversation, for what you're going to say, you know, practice your intro because people are going to say, oh, who are you? Where do you work for? You know, what do you do? You know, you can, you can rehearse that in the mirror. You'll feel like an idiot, but like rehearse it, um, you know, and then practice your strategies for how you're going to exit a conversation as well, because, you know, it's, it's much easier to have your exit point, know what you're going to say, um, you know, oh, it's been lovely speaking to you, you know, have a good rest of the evening, goodbye, walk off, you know, that's all you need to do, you know, don't just let the, the conversation sort of tail off and then stare awkwardly at each other. Um, and then, um, and I would just say, just practice and keep, keep doing more of it. And remember that everybody's there for the same reason and everyone's been through it. Um, and at the end of the day, people are just people um, and just find common ground with people. You know, it's even if you're at a work networking thing, um, you know, you don't need to talk about work. You talk about something that's, that's that you're really, you know, passionate about if it's not work, um, you know, that interests <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, yeah, so, sound advice. And I think the other thing to probably add to that is that everyone's probably thinking and feeling the same thing, right? Yeah. Even like you mentioned yeah. before, even the, even the ones that um, look and feel super confident, they're, they're probably they're probably not, right? You know, it's uh, putting a bit of a mask on to try and, you know, be that persona that they would like to be, be perceived to be, which is uh, which is interesting. What's um, So what's your success story then? Before we kind of finish off here, Catherine, I guess for anyone that's not doing this, what, what kind of can people expect in terms of, outcomes or you know and what kind of success story have you got to, to share with your networking journey do you mean other than meeting you uh, well <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't i don't i don't think many had put that down as a success to be honest with you but uh, there you go um so uh my success story so <clears throat> i think from a personal point of view um my success story has been the growth in my self-confidence um, from networking. So it's not in terms of, you know, me getting like a stellar new job or anything like that from a personal point of view. It's just the journey that I've been on, you know, thinking back 10 years ago um, to being like a quivering wreck going into a room um, to now just being able to go and do it, you know, and that has benefited me in just so many ways in my life, um, you know, that it's been it's been fantastic um you know as a, as a specific example um there is an individual who um you know who is now a friend someone that I met sort of networking they're a friend and um a couple of years ago um they were made redundant and so you know they reached out to me as part of their network and said you know well, I'm, I'm being made redundant um you know if you if you know of anything going um then let me know and, you know, I knew that my client um, was recruiting um, for a role that that person would be great at. Um, so I hooked them up and they now work for this client and been growing a team for the last couple of years and loving it, you know. And and if, you know, he didn't use his network in that position, you know, I, he wouldn't have um, he wouldn't have got 
that job you know I don't I don't believe you know if he'd just gone in with a blind CV without a personal recommendation um you know then I then I don't think he would have been as successful um as he is Mm, yep and what a good way to uh what a good way to finish so um yeah look really appreciate your time Catherine I think it's and this is be you know such an interesting topic for a lot of people right because I think um, as you've said I personally believe these type of events are going to become even more beneficial to yeah. the people that kind of get involved with them but I think there's always that kind of barrier to, to push through to get more people involved with this type of of stuff um, so yeah but and I think there'll be a lot of people kind of taking a lot away from from this so we appreciate your advice um if anyone wanted to reach out to you you know kind of got anything that they want to ask you about anything they've heard today or maybe getting involved in the community stuff that you're doing at slalom or working Mm -hmm. with with slalom what's the best way for them to reach you and they can just reach me through linkedin just drop me a dm on linkedin nice Nice. Yep. Perfect. Easiest way. Easiest way. Right. Well, Catherine, look, thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing how your community building endeavours go. Thank you very much. Lovely right. to chat to you again, Kyle. As always. Speak soon. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, Please follow our Bishon Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Bow, 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 b